Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Andrea Gazzetta! Yay! Uh, we've got a great show for you. It's Heaven's Gate Part 2, and boy oh boy am I excited for it. I had a really swell time. Uh, I think it's a good episode. It is a fun episode. But before we get to the episode, we got some news and reviews. <laughs> Uh, first and foremost, we did launch our Patreon, and it went fucking awesome. You guys are the Thank fucking you so best. Much. We love you. Marry There's still us. time to join and time to get <laughs> rewards in oh, the yeah. first batch. So the rewards yeah. will never stop. Um, can't stop, won't stop. Can't uh, stop, won't stop. Hashtag witch picks. We <laughs> we won't be released, or we won't be shipping out the rewards rather until uh, about the first. I think it's the first week, maybe the second week, but I will keep you guys updated uh, in August. So um, if you sign up, you'll still be able to get your rewards. And then even after that, you'll for sure be able to yeah, get your we'll rewards. Yeah, we'll always send them just if you want to get them speedy. Yeah. First batch going out in a couple weeks. Also, for sure, like if you can't donate for like the next several months, but you can later, all of the bonus content we release, you'll super get access to that. And it'll always be there for you, just like us, because we we're always here for you. If you want to learn more about our rewards and our tiers, you can go to patreon.com slash cultpodcast. You can also go to cultpodcastshow.com and head over to the Patreon tab at the top and bottom of the page. Secondly, we're doing another live show. <laughs> this one's going to be on August 27th at 7.30 p.m. It's going to be at Geeky Tees and Games. Woo! gonna be an awesome time it's also our two-year anniversary um the show's gonna be absolutely amazing it's gonna be the chicago rippers we're gonna have cake tickets are ten dollars online fifteen dollars at the door S- c- come out please come out <laughs> i really want to see you i want to celebrate this podcast with you three so, hugs and cake and cats yeah. right and cats, and cats. it there literally is, has everything that could be good rescue there it is separate from the show like venue so if you're allergic to cats it's fine don't worry it's um, a, Completely different part, but if you want to see cats, there are also cats. Armando's super allergic and super about to pet some cats. I am mad allergic, and I'm going to d- pet some cats and drink several lactose products. And they're products. adoptable, so if you need a cat friend to go home with you, <gasps> find yeah. one. Adopt a cat. Adopt Oat Shop. There you go. Uh, and then uh, uh, before we get to the episode, we got one more five-star review. <laughs> This one comes to us from David, uh, and then it's, they also put their, uh, their social media tag, which is at iHeartNate. That's I-H-E-A-R-T-N-A-T-E. Nate sounds like a lucky guy. <laughs> mm. And he says, this show is what I've been looking for. I've always been a fan of the macabre, the bizarre, those fringes in history that are so juicy, you just want to take a bite. This show scratches an itch deep within my soul that I didn't even know that I had. Is that normal? The dynamic of these hosts is undeniable and instantly charming. It's a perfect runtime, excellently researched, and good lord, the puns are on a different place of existence. Hell yeah. (laughs) This podcast is in the top 1% of quality, the upper echelon of production value that's only known to your NPRs of the world. Every once in a while, I think to myself, wouldn't it be so fun if I was there with them, adding to the witty banter and slaying the audience with my awesome jokes? And then I realize it would never work. 
Aww, these you people... can't leave Nate like that. <laughs> <laughs> these people maneuver conversation with an elegance that's unknown to me, and I'm all right with that. So now I'm sitting here, staring at my phone, and waiting for the next episode to hit publish. Thank you all for this blessing of a podcast. Oh, you're thank so you, nice. That was the most one of the most well written things I've ever read, and you said that. What, okay, let's read it back. I feel These like people... this. He 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 compared our our pun and 420 jokes to like some type of ballet yeah and it's very sweet he said these people maneuver conversation with an elegance that's unknown to me and earlier today i said shit burped and then went ah fuck <laughs> uh i have met famed director edgar wright three different times and have only ever managed to say ah so no i would too i'm not i'm not that elegant I it's don't, called the edgar the wright time. goose horn it's what happens <laughs> here Heroes. Uh, but All yeah. I want to say is your movies are rad, but I can't. <laughs> well, we've got another great episode for you, and we're hitting publish right now. So, uh, yeah, why don't you come on, get in here? Let's go, let's go, let's come do it. Oh yeah, in a quick, uh, quick aside about this episode, we make fun of sober people. Uh, we don't hate sober people. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, quick, quick aside. Uh, I am a sober person. Yeah, yeah. For a long time in college, I was the designated driver forever. So we're cool with sober people. We just make fun of them. Yeah, yeah you guys have been sober. I yeah. Currently, <laughs> currently is. I was a child for five years, for sure. I know what it's like. Only five, and then I started jumping off ladders. Yeah. <laughs> Armando stopped being carted at eleven. In fairness, so that I is did. when he grew his first beard. But as soon as I fell off the ladder, I started being carted away. Hey. <laughs> All right, come on, let's start this episode. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm, organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership, organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers, organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships, and organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always, these are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... Andrea Cassetto! Yay! Yay! And it's Armando's week again! It is! <laughs> <laughs> you might be able to notice from our lower registers that we're coming off a of sickness. Very, very ill. Both Armando and I are... I'm still pretty sick. Yeah. I'm getting rid of the... The weird part about the end period of being sick is that you're just like coughing up... Uh, do you guys remember Gak from Nickelodeon? Yeah, that is disgustingly. Like. Yes. Yeah, this I'm is just, a great comparison. I'm just throwing up Gak or uh, like ectoplasm, and then that's the. It's wa I'm watching the sickness leave my body. That that is literally what it is because I did start to feel better today, but I was also coughing up like silly putty, just yeah. like chunks of stuff. So. We're actually recording this on Sunday, which is the day before this airs, and uh, we don't normally record this close yeah. to air date, and the reason we're doing it is because I was so sick that I couldn't operate at my normal level 
Uh, Andrea told me <laughs> that she knew I was sick because I fell asleep at 7 p.m. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. That's how I know you're sick. Yeah. Anyone who knows me is just like, anything before one is a problem. That's not good. I, I went to bed at like 9 p.m. and Jake's like, I just left you there because you're definitely sick. <laughs> Yeah, I started, um, I've already had a lot of the research like in the in the works, but as I was trying to piece it together, I texted uh, Paige and Andrea and was like, research is going great, I feel great because yeah. I was high on cold medicine. <laughs> that makes so much more sense now because like you had texted me, because you had originally texted me and been like, I'm so sick, we might not have an episode this week. And I was like, oh no. And then I immediately got sick the next day and I was yeah. like, fuck all of it. Uh but then you texted me, you're like, I feel great. Episode's going great. This episode's going to be amazing. And I was just like, okay, cool. Awesome. I will try to get better by then. And then today you're like, uh, hey, had to make sure I reworked the outline because I wrote it on cold medicine. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. I was like, this makes a lot of sense. It was rambling. It's like I took uh, uh, the new DayQuil flavor cocaine. That's oh, what man. it looked like when I was just reading through. I was like, why did I explain the same thing on every single page? <laughs> When I would get bronchitis because of my lungs, they would give me steroids, which Jeez. would make me immediately feel better. But then, like, it doesn't actually solve anything. Yeah. yeah. And so you just go too hard where you're just like, of course I can do a midnight show. What are you talking about? And then you run out of steroids and you're just like, I am dying. I'm dying right now. The yeah. only benefit to running out of steroids is then you get to be in Terminator 1 and 2. So that's, <laughs> that's pretty cool. But yeah, so we're doing Heaven's Gate Part 2. What, what, what? It's, uh, I'm really excited for this episode. This is going to be another um, episode that kind of looks into the background uh, and continues off of what we talked about last week. And real quick before we head into it, I just want to cover uh, the sources. The sources are pretty much the same, but there are... Um, a couple different ones so let's just kind of go over it so the first one and our main source is the book heaven's gate america's ufo religion by benjamin zeller america the article the cult that left as it lived by joel akenbach and mark fisher which joel akenbach is my spirit animal because that's how i feel right now Wait, so they left as they lived so they just they lived in those Nikes? Or? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, they were a Nike fan. They were the Drake of cult leaders. Just do it. Uh, Jumpman, Jumpman, Jumpman. Uh, the podcast Heaven's Gate by Glenn Washington, which was a really good resource because he talked to uh, Terry Nettles, who is Bonnie Nettles' daughter, and got some... Um, recordings of footage that had never before been released to the public so that's a really great podcast uh if you want more uh information about like kind of the period after this episode then you should go listen to heaven's gate uh by glenn washington uh multiple transcripts and documents from heavensgate.com finally read that let me tell you reading that on cold medicine is a trip oh i mean reading it sober is an exercise in not going blind because it's oh, like yeah. a geocities website it's such a bad website <laughs> it's like green on blue why oh yeah. i was gonna ask if it's that cyan blue color <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like they it's like when they were designing the webpage they were like, what background would hurt your eyes the most? Yeah, yeah, for real. It's terrible. Uh, and then finally, a 1975 article from the New York Times that I am omitting the title of, but it will become abundantly clear when that comes into play a little bit later. So 
Last week, we left off in a Houston hospital in 1972, where Bonnie Nettles read and interpreted the chart of Marshall Herf Applewhite Jr., and when the two met, they had a strong feeling of recognition, almost like they had known each other for their entire lives. Herf, are you the guy that designed that tampon Nerf gun? <laughs> I am! In fact, I am! But Bonnie found an explanation for this feeling in Herf's chart. It turns out they had known each other in a past life, perhaps even several past lives. And now they had been brought back together in their current incarnation to complete an important mission. Ooh. Uh, it's kind of arrogant to assume that you're two chosen ones sent by some all-powerful being to complete some earth-shattering mission. But honestly, I kind of think that the important mission was... To fuck because yeah. then it would make sense. <laughs> then everything would. If, if then if, I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. You're both crazy. Your crazy works together. Go for it. I'm getting. I feel like we met in the year '69. <laughs> <laughs> really close. I wish they had. Um, yeah, because then it would just be crazy, stupid love, and it would be an entirely different story. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, their important mission is less arrogance and more of like a coping method. Uh, we're going to jump a little bit into the speculation zone, but I don't, I don't know how much of this is speculation and how much of this is just like, you can obviously infer from what happens, but Herf was supposed to be a Presbyterian minister with the quote unquote traditional nuclear family, which is just old people slang for a heterosexual family with a side dish of kids. 2.5 children. Heteronormative. Yeah. Two point, the 2.5 children is always what fucks me up. <laughs> you're like, who, when, when I was a point kid. Five, and I'm like, a dog. <laughs> oh, okay. When I was a kid, I always thought it meant that they had two grown kids and then just a baby forever. <laughs> <laughs> just keep it? Yeah, I was just like, where no, do no, they no, get no. the half? The baby's getting too old. We have to reproduce. <laughs> Cut it in half. Less. <laughs> But instead, he left all of this behind to become who he was on the inside, a bisexual man with a career in music. But that life path didn't pan out either. He failed as a musician, and he wasn't able to form any meaningful relationships with men or women. But Bonnie, on the other hand, she wanted the nuclear family. She was begging to cut that baby in half, all right? But when her and businessman Joe tried to have kids, it didn't go exactly as planned. Before giving birth to her oldest, Bonnie suffered a miscarriage and then gave birth to stillborn twins. Oh, that's brutal. That's, yeah. And when she finally did have the children and family that she wanted, it got ripped away from her by the only thing that seemed to make her happy. So it seemed like no matter how hard they tried to live the lives that they wanted, something always got in the way. And this important mission is kind of a way for them to explain away all of the trauma and failures that they've gone through in their lives while removing any sense of personal responsibility because it's all part of the plan. The reason you didn't get the life you wanted is because it wasn't the life you were supposed to have. So it's not your fault that you fucked up your marriage. It's not your fault that you chose something over your kids. It's not your fault that X, Y, or Z. It was all supposed to happen. I, I think that the lack of personal responsibility is an issue that I've always had with when people lean heavily on the concept of God's plan or a higher being's plan because like it stops people sometimes from taking ownership of the choices that they make mm -hmm. and that can be really problematic when people are not good you know yeah. instead of like taking ownership and saying like I need to be a better person and I need to work on myself they're like oh well the fact that you know 
the fact that my wife left me is all part of God's plan. It's like, well, you were also just like texting your mistress a lot. So like maybe that had something on that. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. My problem with God's plan was that it was a single that didn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I knew it you didn't. were going to I was like, I was like, how do I fit Drake? In yeah, <laughs> it was. It didn't reflect the rest of the album. It wasn't as good. So at this point, Herf is still deep in debt and Bonnie is in the middle of a divorce. So in order to cut costs, they decide to move in together. And this also allows them to spend all their free time figuring out exactly what their important mission was supposed to be. Because Herf's chart said that there was a mission, but it didn't say what the mission was. Were they supposed to be gods? Were they supposed to lead humanity? Were they supposed to start another deli in New Mexico with half the tears <laughs> but double the flavor? I, I mean, that I vote for that. <laughs> but n- neither of them knew for sure. They did have an idea, though. It was esoteric knowledge that had brought them together, so their first thought was that maybe their mission was to share this knowledge with as many people as they could. So the first version of Heaven's Gate to ever exist was a store called the Christian Arts Center, which is, like, that's the weirdest twist uh, I've seen in this whole story. Like, it's akin to, like, Om Shinriko starting as a yoga class or Jonestown starting as an evil lemonade stand. You know, it's just, like, real fucked up that that's the way that this started. I mean, I'm picturing this store, and I'm just picturing a bunch of black velvet Jesus paintings. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the ones from the 70s. And then just, like, for because they're, you know, open... A couple black Jesuses in there, just like ooh, ooh, changing it up yeah. with the black lights, and yes, so like Jesus yes, glows green. Oh exactly. no, 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 no! You don't want black lights anywhere near this building. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the name is a little misleading. It wasn't a church-sanctioned business or a shop where your five-year-old could finger paint over the Bible. It was actually a New Age bookstore. They burned incense, they played Eastern music, and they sold books on topics like astrology and theosophy. Basically, if you threw in a couple crystals and yoga pants, it could be any store next to a Starbucks. We have a number of stores like that here in Los Angeles, but they're all specifically occult bookstores. Oh, yeah. I like that now they're embracing it. At the time, they were like, no, we're new age bookstores. Of course not. Just kidding. Buy your witch candles here. (laughs) (laughs) Just Enya for days. That's all that it is. Remember when Enya was a thing? People. Come on. I, I do. I do. There was, I had a friend in high school who was obsessed with Enya. My mom loved it. Anyway. But it turns out the people of Houston, Texas in 1972 weren't into weird new age bookstores run by a wild-eyed baritone and his platonic life partner. <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm surprised. Uh, yeah, so God says we shouldn't fuck. Okay, you're right. Yeah, God says we shouldn't fuck. <laughs> that was, uh, God, that's what God's plan is really about if you listen to the lyrics. <laughs> So the Christian Arts Center only lasted a few months before it was forced to close its doors for good, which any business in Texas that doesn't sell queso is gonna go out of business. I mean, I would prefer that all businesses that burn incense close their doors just because like, you know, when you walk past, it's a lot. Uh, But, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I think, yeah, I think any business has sold queso. Did you know in, uh, in Texas, if you buy an iPhone, it legally has to come with a bucket of queso? I mean, I'm in favor of buckets of queso and all their forms. I feel like this is just a scam to get you to get that protective cover. 
if you'd have bought Apple Care, then this queso dunk wouldn't have done any harm. <laughs> it's like handing a child a knife and telling it to run. <laughs> that is what handing me queso is, because it will just fuck up my inside. <laughs> it just and comes out the same form it went yeah. in. And your outside. Oh, yeah. Especially when you eat it in your car. <laughs> Uh, with an abundance of incense and books on their hands, they decided to pivot. Maybe their calling wasn't to sell esoteric knowledge. Maybe it was to teach it. So in late 1972, Bonnie and Herft moved out into the country and opened up a self-help retreat called No Place. And this is actually kind of clever because it's K-N-O-W. Oh, jeez. Like, all-knowing, like, this. no place. You're so pun. clever. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. <laughs> That's uh, No one in this story sounds like that. <laughs> They're all like, oh, howdy. Hey, y'all. We're really excited that you decided to join us here at the No Place. Now, the orgy tent is to the left. <laughs> <laughs> Bathrooms are to the right, and we did separate them by gender, but use the bathroom to your comfort. Yes, thank you. I hope you're ready to get your rocks off. I'm sorry, crystals off. (laughs) We have provided condoms for whoever chooses to use them. If you do choose to insert any crystals, please protect them. We know that you need to recharge them with liquid, but that's not what we mean. (laughs) Feel free to recharge them in our free queso station. We learned. We learned from the last one. (laughs) I want crystals charged in queso. I would believe in it if they had that. Don't tell anybody, but we had the recipe from Torchy's. (laughs) And while the business was a huge improvement name-wise, it was much less successful than the Christian Arts Center. Because they, How is that possible? They closed in a couple months. Well, basically, the only clients that they got were customers from the other <laughs> business that were rich enough to go on a self-help got retreat. It. Got it. They basically didn't run a very successful business, but camping out in the boonies, they did meet a lot of other interesting folks that had the same interests as they did. But none more important than a Filipino traveler who was obsessed with Hinduism. Ooh. What, what year is this? This is 1972. Okay, so that like is prime white people Hindu time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yoga yeah. is just beginning. This is, uh, in, in terms of like music, I'm pretty sure this is right when the Beatles are starting to release like Eastern inspired music. It's right after. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, what yeah. I mean. Yeah. So you're, and we'll get into it in a little bit, but this is prime time p- white people trying to be like, yeah, let's do it. Also, they just met like later, they found out he was Filipino. I'm sure at the time they were like, you're brown. Are you from India? <laughs> no, that's very possible. I mean, it, it sounds like whenever I meet people, like we live in a Filipino neighborhood mm-hmm. and it's always really funny when white people move into the neighborhood and they're just like, so what part of Mexico are you from? And they're like, <laughs> Philip, I'm from the Philippines. And they're like, is that North or South Mexico? <laughs> it's, it's pretty great. When they told the traveler about Herf's chart, he told them that they were indeed reincarnated souls who had been brought back to change the world he did not want to join them on their mission but he did agree and you know you you gotta start somewhere this is the first time that anyone's told them that they're not fucking crazy and they took it as a win yeah here's the thing you go on a camping trip you're hanging out with people you don't want to ruffle any feathers you're like you know i believe in reincarnation maybe you are you know like you're just trying to yes and to get through the trip yeah Well, they already had a huge argument because he didn't like the name No Place. 
So that that's, is a terrible name. Yeah, that's not real. But where are you I, going? No place. No, where are you going? No place. Who's on first? It's the worst. <laughs> it's terrible. But here's the thing: if they'd called it No Place Like Home, oh, oh shit, yeah, that could have. That's been what sick. they should have called their that bookstore. That could have been sick, dude. Oh. See, that would have been a successful ass bookstore. <laughs> Mixing Wizard of Oz fan fiction with spirituality. <laughs> <laughs> we shut down immediately. It was over. It was never given a chance. Sold a lot of ruby slippers, though. <laughs> At the end of their time together, the traveler even bestowed new names onto the owners of No Place. He dubbed Bonnie Shaktashali Devi, which is, uh, I might be, you know what, I'm not even going to say might be. I'm definitely mispronouncing it. But it is Hindi for powerful goddess. He also rebranded her as Sri Pranava, which combines the Hindi words for Mister and a variation of the mantra Om, which uh, I mean, technically speaking, if you want to take this literal, that means that <laughs> his new nickname was Mister Powerful Mantra, which sounds more like a passive-aggressive insult than anything. Else. <laughs> Ooh, look at Mister Powerful I'm Mantra! Mister Powerful Mantra, look at me! I oh. talk to the stars. Look how many crystals you can recharge inside of you! Oh, Mister Powerful! You think mantra. you're better than Tony Kansas? Okay, <laughs> Mister Powerful Mantra. <laughs> And while these new names didn't last, the effect they had on Bonnie and Herf did. It was the first time that they had been reborn. They had new names, a new purpose, and they were now sure that they did indeed have a greater calling to complete an important mission. Well, and it's clear here, like the concept of rebirth in this life is so powerful. Again, for what you're saying is like to leave behind these traumatic events, you get new names, you become a new person. Yeah. And this is this is truly uh, this is truly the first time and it will happen again. But this is the first time that they were reborn as not Bonnie and Herf, but as people with different names and a different identity. So towards the end of 1972, the 45-year-old Bonnie Nettles and the 41-year-old Herf Applewhite decided that whatever their great mission was, they needed to devote themselves to it entirely. And that didn't just mean leaving Houston behind. It meant leaving their entire lives behind. And for Herf, that was pretty fucking easy all he owned was debt his career was over and he had become estranged from his children after they left with his ex-wife Anne. but for bonnie it wasn't that simple she had grown up in houston she had stayed in houston and her kids were in houston too sure she had gotten a divorce but that didn't mean that she had to pull a herf and completely abandon her kids by the way that's what i'm calling it now when you just pulling eject, a herf. it's when you eject like a herf dart and you're just like bye kids I know that they're not sure what their mission is, but, like, hear me out, Applebee's. They franchise (laughs) Dollar Margarita Night. They earn enough money to make as many badly named retreats as they want. (laughs) Honestly, any idea at an Applebee's is a bad idea. (laughs) You can't have good ideas in an Applebee's. Unless it's unending appetizers. Oh, wait, that's TGI Fridays, isn't it? Oh, damn. I don't know, but now I want to go to an Applebee's again. (laughs) TGI Fridays is significantly better than Applebee's. But eventually, the call to adventure was too great to ignore, and Bonnie did what she thought had to be done. So on New Year's Day, 1973, Bonnie left her old life behind. She visited her oldest daughter, the 17-year-old Terry Nettles, at her job working Spotlight for a downtown Houston music venue. And she told Terry that she was leaving with Herf. She didn't know where she was going, and she didn't know when they'd be back. She only knew that it was all a part of the plan. 
In the days leading up to January 1st, Bonnie and Herf gave away all their possessions save for one thing, a convertible sports car. <laughs> ha. Vroom, vroom, it's baby. It's not practical. No, but it's conver- the worst cult car ever. A convertible sports car is a mandatory part of any midlife crisis. I mean, you that's true. That's true. But like even Charles Manson had a van. Like oh, yeah. even he was practical. But what what's more of a convertible sports car than a dune buggy, baby? I mean, that's fair. That's it's, yeah. fair. It's all no top, baby. <laughs> They hopped in the car and they left Houston in the rearview mirror. And life on the road wasn't easy. They ate mostly bread rolls, they camped out in the convertible, and they blew through what money they had fairly quickly. And with no jobs or goals besides having a spiritual journey, Bonnie and Herf did what they could to make ends meet. When they got to New Mexico, they donated blood because uh, everyone in New Mexico is vampires. That's an important fact. <laughs> Oh, wow. You have to know. I always thought that was Louisiana. (laughs) In Nevada, they made some cash selling handmade crosses to souvenir shops because people in Nevada needed a way to defend themselves from the New Mexican vampires. I mean, they're they're right next door. This is the threat in your own backyard. And when they reached Oregon, they picked up odd jobs wherever they could, even resorting to literally digging ditches, probably for all the bodies of the Nevada-New Mexico Vampire Wars of 1973. Right. It was huge. They don't teach that in history class, by the way. They don't talk about it. We're, you know, speaking truth to power right now. I'm so glad you've done this special research. (laughs) (laughs) So that cold medicine, pretty good, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to leave some of it in there. You can definitely tell what things I was like. No, this is going to be genius. <laughs> Along the way, they met a uh, handful of new age groups and hip new churches, and they had their fair share of problems. Their car broke down in Missouri, and somehow Herf had wrangled a replacement car. So they just kept going on and, and on and on and on. And months on the open road had been hard on the duo, but in July of 1973, they figured everything out. While camping out along the Oregon coast near the Rogue River, Bonnie and Herf had an epiphany that revealed their true identities. They were the two witnesses in the Book of Revelation. Whoa! What? Yeah, and that's so some, that's bold. That it is. Yeah. Very bold. If you thought the <laughs> important sure. mission thing was arrogant, <laughs> holy shit! Does it get? This isn't. This is just the beginning, baby. We're at sports car. By the end of it, they go full dune buggy. Oh man, we went from like convertible sports car to like beast of Babylon. <laughs> Well, it kind of makes sense, though, because, like, the further, the more stuff you give up, the more important the mission has to be. Oh, yeah. Justify it. Yeah, Yeah, of course. And I have a couple of, I I have a couple of passages from Revelation 11, and these are the relevant passages that they used. Did you read Revelation on cold medicine? I did. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. It is so trippy because uh, the weird thing about the Bible, especially the book of Revelation, is that it's really apocalyptic, weird, and dark. But there's some words in there that have modern day meetings where I'm like, that makes the whole thing silly. (laughs) Uh, So here are the passages that were relevant. And I will appoint my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. And they are the two olive trees and the two lampstands, and they stand before the Lord of the earth. So right away, you kind of get what I mean about how two olive trees and two lampstands might be great for God, but they're terrible for feng shui. It just sounds like a real hippie dorm room. (laughs) And then they, uh, they continue with, 
When they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes from the abyss will attack them and overpower them and kill them. I mean, I saw the abyss. It wasn't that bad. (laughs) 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 But no, this is the like the real scary shit part of the Bible. Yeah. And then the last one, I'm kind of like skipping around here because they they kind of cherry picked and only were like, ooh, this one and I want this one and I want this one. If you're super interested in the book of Revelation just in general, A, read it. It's not that long. But yeah. B, uh, last podcast on the left did an episode on the book of Revelation. Oh, yeah. It's that's great. really interesting. Highly recommend listening. And the last passage was, but after three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet and terror struck those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. Okay, come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud while their enemies looked on. I just like the thought that God used the sentence, come up here. Look up here. Look up here. (laughs) Uh, I like that they're saving everything in the cloud. That's very responsible. Oh, yeah. yeah data migration. Well, their last iPhones got hit by a bucket of queso. <laughs> Necessary. But their revelation wasn't just based on, well, revelation. They also realized that after they were martyred and resurrected, it wasn't the rapture that would take them and their flock to a heavenly utopia. It was a UFO. I mean, that does sound better than a rapture because you get to keep your fillings. It sounds sick as fuck. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I never realized that's part of the rapture. Is It's just they pull out. Oh, my God. Well, no, just, you, everything that's not human yeah. stays behind, kind of like Terminator. And so <laughs> it's like in Left Behind in like the books, they always find like piles of clothes and fillings. That's creepy. God, that's so Fun. dark. Mm-hmm. And so Bonnie and Herf were reborn again as the two by mixing Herf's expertise on all things biblical and Bonnie's wealth of knowledge on new age practices. They had created the base of their own new religion. It's kind of like uh, the apocalyptic version of the Reese's uh, Reese's Cups story where they're like, you got peanut butter in my chocolate. You got chocolate in my peanut butter. You got Christianity in my new age. Uh the end times were coming, and the two witnesses sent to spread the message were Marshall Herf Applewhite Jr. and Bonnie Lou Nettles. It's kind of like the Bible, but make it organic. <laughs> <laughs> so the two left Oregon finally clear on what their mission was. Now the next step was to actually build their flock, and they had a pretty good lead on a potential first follower. In May 1974, Bonnie and Herf arrived back in Houston to talk to a woman named Sharon. Why was Sharon a good bet on becoming a member? Well, because Sharon had been a customer at both the Christian Arts Center and the No Place. Sharon, thank you for your loyalty. (laughs) But also, run, girl. Run. I don't care what coupons they give you. Back in 1972, her life was falling apart, and a couple years later, things had only gotten worse. And after spending just six days talking to the two, she decided to leave her entire life behind and become their first follower. This included leaving behind a husband and a two-year-old child. Bitch, what is wrong with you? This is a testament to how difficult two-year-olds are, is that she had (laughs) one and was like, I'd rather join a cult. (laughs) Now, what business did her husband do? 
Just business? Just business in general. More business. Yeah. He seems like a real angry dude. Oh, that's a bummer. Was it? Yeah. I mean, like, w- was she in a semi-abusive relationship and, like, kind of unhappy in every aspect? Or, I like... I don't want to say abusive because I don't know. Okay. I know that uh, through what she says uh, or through what they documented, she was unhappy in her relationship. Okay. So, and that's what you see a lot of times is you see a lot of people that leave are just people that are unhappy or have a call to action. Like they have nothing. They're tired of the monotony. They're ready for something else. And so the, the, they they already have a willingness to leave everything behind because they're not really happy with they're just the everything. looking for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Well, and especially if you don't have like form form if you don't have strong bonds with people outside of this relationship that isn't going well, then you want a family. Like you want the love and acceptance that you're missing in whatever relationship you have. So it's so much easier to like be in a cult. Right. They're like so. This this group or, or uh, at this point Bonnie and Herf they're like uh they're like a, a helicopter with one of those rope ladders yeah. passing by her shitty relationship yeah 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 you're like this is gonna be great and then you're like there's no food up here what are we doing <laughs> our helicopter's powered by crystals <laughs> we can't land the whole world is lava <laughs> Sharon and the two loaded up and got back on the road eager to recruit more people. And they treated Sharon as sort of like a John the Baptist type figure. Her job was basically that she would travel ahead of the two and then like try and hype up their arrival. Except, so she's the flavor flave of this. Oh, <laughs> for sure. Just, I'm just picturing her with a sundial instead of a clock. <laughs> yeah. Just like flavor Sharon. Yeah, that's what I want. I just want a white woman to just be like, Sharon. <laughs> And then air horns go up. <laughs> Crystals. Okay. <laughs> Which one of you two ladies want to get drunk in this mansion and make out with me? <laughs> oh, my God. I can't wait for her show, Sharon of Love. Sharon. No, just Sharon Partners. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Sharon Partners. Sharon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, that's so good. That's what they should have called their fucking woods retreat. Oh, yeah. Tune in every Monday to Sharon Partners. Partners. Sponsored by Torchy's Queso. <laughs> um, yeah, the problem is, like most people named Sharon, she was the world's worst hype man. She was just dog shit. <laughs> Great secretary. Terrible hype man. <laughs> Every time that they visited, they were only met with small groups and a lot of doubt. So much doubt, in fact, that after only four months of being on the road with them, Sharon decided to go back home to her family. <laughs> And if losing their only follower wasn't enough, Sharon's husband had an extra surprise waiting for the two when they got back to Houston. He filed a police report against Bonnie and Herf over credit card fraud. Ooh, good one, Sharon. Apparently, instead of instigating the next vampire war, they had decided to pay their way across the country using Sharon's credit card. Oh, shit. And as soon as they were back in town, the two got super arrested. Yeah. (laughs) But, okay, on, what's up? Did Sharon's husband take her back? Because, like, how do you live that down in your relationship? They did take her back. So apparently what happened um, is... You lose she, every argument after that. Right? Yeah. It's like, okay, Sharon, but remember that time you joined a cult and they used our credit cards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't make me the bad guy. You also have to discipline our child. Oh, do I, Sharon? Who left and joined a cult? 
Oh, yeah, Sharon? Well, remember that time you left and joined Heaven's Gate? Yeah, so I think you will be paying for Chipotle. Thank you. you. (laughs) Extra queso. You have to pay me back for all that credit card fraud. (laughs) But so what happened is uh, Sharon's husband, like, brought the child and confronted her and was like, hey, we have issues and I know we're not doing well, but, like, we can work through it. Like, we can be better people. You don't have to just leave me. And so they got back together. They worked it out. She did, however, um, express that she left the group and had a lot of doubt. But the more time she had away from them, that she had time to think about it, she still kind of believed in their message. Which is something that you kind of see time and time again, even uh, especially as we go on. But, and to Sharon's credit, she was extremely quick to come clean. She had allowed them to use the credit card. They didn't steal her credit card. They didn't trick her into letting them use it. She was the one who offered to pay for everything. I mean, you can argue that they tricked her in the sense of, like, she thought they were aliens from outer space sent here to take her to heaven. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but if someone comes up to you and you're like, hey, girl, I'm Jesus. Will you buy my case? So you can say no. Yeah. For sure, I have. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm still mad at you for that. (laughs) You said Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) But because she came clean, the fraud charges were dropped. But the arrest had brought something interesting to light. A warrant for Herf's arrest. What? Because remember how a year ago when they were traveling around trying to figure out what their mission was, their convertible broke down? Yeah. Well, the car that Herf finagled was actually just a rental car that he straight up stole off the lot. Oh, what? He just stole. He was like, yeah, I'll sign up and rent this car. What's my name? (laughs) Sharon. And then he just drove off in a new car. And he took it and he just like never came back. So Herf was sent back to Missouri where he protested his innocence. Not lawfully, mind you. He protested his innocence morally because he for sure had stolen the car. But what were the laws of man to an alien who came to save the planet, baby? This never works out for people. (laughs) No. Except Father Divine. That's the only time it ever worked out. Imagine... His defense lawyer. Oh, that's yeah. Like, I did advise him to plead guilty. Whatever. Yeah, Your Honor, what? my client is uh, pleading the God defense. <laughs> my, uh, Your Honor, my client is pleading space. I don't. And then the judge is just like, first of all, that's not a defense. Secondly, are you an alligator? Is that what we're doing here? <laughs> this is not good. Um, yeah, he. So. The way, the reason that he did this, and this is something that we've seen with Father Divine, and I don't remember quite if we talked about where the origins of this thought come from, but apparently it comes from Martin Luther. Not Martin Luther King Jr., the uh, the OG Martin Luther. Because Martin Luther, um, a Protestant reformer, he claimed that he was exempt from having to follow the Moses laws, like, you know, adherence to the Sabbath, stuff like that, or any human laws, because it would prevent him from completing his mission on earth. So Herf was saying because he was probably holier than Martin Luther in his mind, the human laws shouldn't apply to him because he's a fucking space alien, baby. He doesn't have to rent your car. Fuck you, Hertz. What are you going to do? Charge my credit card? Charge it to God, dude. (laughs) I mean, I will say great if you're trying to get out of jury duty. Like, (laughs) Definitely go with that. 
uh, for actually mounting a defense? No. I don't think it's a twist to anyone that the courts of Missouri super did not agree with his defense. (laughs) And they found him guilty of theft. Uh, He was sentenced to six months in prison or county jail. I couldn't really find this. He called it prison, but that's like... That man, this is what white people do. They get sent somewhere and it's just jail, but they're like, I served my time. It was the detention room at the airport for six (laughs) hours. I went to prison. (laughs) I shouldn't have worn that bullet belt. God damn it. They were bullets (laughs) in my purse and you know it. And I don't think we ever released that bonus episode. He was sentenced to six months in prison, but it turned out that prison was exactly what he needed because prison completely changed Herf because now he was a member of the Latin Kings. And what? This cha- no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I just like the picture of Herf Wild-Eyed being like, what's up, essay? Don't you know I'm loco? And everyone being like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> we do, we do. I can see it in your eyes. I See, I was just, I, I was picturing him like, hi, I'm Herf. Hefe? Herf. Hefe? <laughs> Herf. Do the Latin Kings like the Lion King movie? <laughs> That's what the whole gang is based around, by the way. Because the lion with the crown is their symbol, right? So I don't. Okay, this isn't really a joke, but the way that you get into the Latin Kings is you have to be jumped in. Like they beat you up. They yeah, I know because you. someone in the building that I lived at had LK carved into their hand in blood. Yeah, and uh, wanted to get into our building, and we yeah, were like, yeah, "No, yeah. you don't live here." Well, to be fair, the Latin Kings is primarily like a prison gang. Like you know, it's not a thing you yeah. join afterwards. It's like a thing where like a lot of uh, white people get swastika tattoos in prison, mm. and they're not, it's it's genuinely some of the time it's not because they're racist. It's because you have to pick a side. There is no like. Yeah. There's no like, you can't just be like undecided like at college and you're like, I'm not really joining a prison gang. I'm focusing on myself, maybe like a little bit of philosophy. I, I think don't... maybe I'll declare Aryans or maybe philosophy <laughs> or maybe like English. I'm not sure. Yeah. But for the Latin Kings, the way that you get in is they beat you in, uh, in prison. They like surround you, they beat you up, and then they lift you up and go, it's a long way to go for that. That was show. great. I was like, like, he's going. Okay, there it there is. It is. There it, it is. It took me a whole convertible to get there. I mean, how they get the baboon into prison, I don't know. <laughs> well, behind bars, he wrote down the two's entire beliefs and added his own new revelation. According to Herf's new statement, he and Bonnie weren't human at all. They were actually advanced aliens who came from the heavenly utopia known as the next level. But now their souls had been put into these earthly vehicles so that they could carry out their mission. But if they're aliens from out of space, how could they have known each other in a past life on Earth? Well, it's because this wasn't the first time they had come to Earth with this mission. In fact, in their most recent trip, Herf had made an appearance as one of the most famous aliens in history. Alf. Wait, what? No, again, I'm sorry. This okay. is cold medicine. For a second, I was going to be like, are you fucking... Ki-? Wait, Alpha's on at the same time? Okay, <laughs> this is not... No. This, there's a lot of cold medicine jokes written in here. No. Herf had come to, the, to Earth as Jesus Christ. No, really? I feel like... Yeah, everyone came as Jesus Christ, yeah, all right? Yeah, yeah, the guy from Happy Science. Rahuyo Kawa. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I just like if you've been reincarnated this many times, you're not good at your job. Like, get on it. Right. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) How many lives do you need to get this done? If you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. (laughs) 
So Herf was released from prison in March of 1975 and met up with Bonnie as soon as he got out. By the way, uh, just like in case you're interested what Bonnie did while he went to prison, because she got let go. She had nothing to do with it. So mm-hmm. she got let go immediately. She went back to Houston and just picked up her old job working at the hospital. So she thinks she's an alien who's a reincarnation of God. And she's like, got to pay the bills. Better go back to work. They always need nurses. That's why nursing is a great <laughs> job. Cause you can always get a nursing job. Being God That's will get you a horrible job. <laughs> being, being uh, an alien will get you out of jury duty, but it will not disqualify you for being a nurse. They're like, can you still do IVs? Cool, you're in. Yeah, it's here's the thing. It's like, okay, Bonnie, um, it was fine when you were bringing your kids candy bars into the break room, but now you're peddling crystals and alien <laughs> nonsense. So, like, back it up. She also, like, if we're don't forget that the way they met is she was just like on the clock and she was like, I'm gonna do this guy's chart real quick. And then give me like, just a second. I had to do astrology shit. By the way, we need you to read your char- read our charts. At oh some my point god. Later. Imagine being her coworker. My mom gets mad because she's a nurse and her coworkers like won't help out. But like imagine she's like reading star charts on the clock all the time. Yeah. Like it's so annoying. You're doing I just star like- charts, so and so's trying to sell aromatherapy and lip sense. It's a whole nightmare. <laughs> I just like the thought of uh, her walking into somebody's room and like opening like a physical chart and looking at it and the patient being like, what is it, doc? Cancer? And she goes, no, Scorpio. (laughs) No, Mercury retrograde. (laughs) Oh, my God. Mercury Gatorade. Mercury Mercury Gatorade. (laughs) 10 cc's of Mercury Gatorade stat. Come on. But yeah, that's what she did. She basically did the thing where like any creative has done it where you quit your job to follow your dream and then you have to come back. I did the same thing at Jimmy John's, but instead of being an alien, it was trying to be on a TV show. (laughs) Yeah, I love those moving to L.A. Made it two months in L.A. Back in Milwaukee post. Yeah. Yeah. And while all of these roadblocks they'd faced so far would normally be a sign that any cult leaders group was not going to be successful for the two, everything was going according to plan. Because from the very beginning at their campsite in Oregon, they prophesied that people would doubt them and try to stop them from spreading their message. They literally had a built-in excuse from the Bible to explain away any failures that they had. Well, when your message is as dangerous as DDT, maybe you shouldn't be spreading it. (laughs) Yeah, I like that their message includes the sentence, we are lampstands. (laughs) It just sounds like you're, like, uh, being a lampstand sounds like you're way too into Ikea. Like, you're just an Ikea I mean, that just means that you're the thing that everyone leaves behind every time they move. (laughs) Because you know, you know that you could get another one for $30, and it's too tall to fit in anybody's car, and you don't want to rent the U-Haul. How many lampstands have you left, Armando? I've left at least three. I've yeah. never bought a lampstand. They just appear into my life. They're yeah. always in front of the apartment building. That's how I got this one. This is the same <laughs> lampstand I've seen in every house I've ever been in. By oh the yeah, way. the I've, one that we have. I have that. That is the lampstand that's been in every single house since yeah. 1991. We are the lampstands, kings of the dorm rooms, <laughs> kings of next to the dumpster. <laughs> we get ejected from one home, but we always find another. You can find us next to the old furniture and the weed people forgot was stashed there (laughs) um but now they were recharged much like their crystals Hmm. and ready to take over the world (laughs) 
Yeah, this was one a, dumpster at a time. <laughs> this wasn't even really an exaggeration. Herf said that the isolation of prison had done quote wonders for his spiritual growth. I mean, it no. did the same for Charles Manson. Yeah, I mean, what is prison but the ultimate self-help retreat? <laughs> hey, my crazy, I got crazier. Ah! <laughs> Turns out I'm from space. Also, there's spiders in my brain. Don't ask me how I know this. This has wandering because it can see into another dimension. Jeez. <laughs> And in 2019, it is super, super, super easy to make fun of a bunch of people willing to leave everything behind in order to follow two Texans who called themselves the alien reincarnations of Jesus. But America in the 1970s was primed perfectly to accept the two's teachings. In the 1950s, the youth left behind their parents' materialistic ways to smoke pot and read books by weird authors with new ideas. That was the age of the beatniks. Then in the 60s, the youth got into activism instead of simply forming ideas. The anti-war and, and pro-exploration period of this time is known as the hippie movement. But as the hippies died out, uh, physically, or not physically, by the way, but just in terms I of, mean, like, culture. I mean, in some cases, physically. Oh, yeah. for sure. But like the, lots of ODing and STDs. Yeah, but also stuff like our boy Manson straight up murdered the hippie movement. Yeah. Like, after that, people were like, they didn't want to be a part of the shit anymore. They didn't want to be. It was it gave it a bad name. Yeah. Uh, also, and, all the good musicians had died. Oh, yeah, for oh, sure. God. Uh, so after that the country moved into the age of seekers. The baby boomers wanted answers and they were met with a new plethora of religions to choose from. More than just classic Christianity, too. They had been offered basically pathways that their parents had never even thought possible. It was a whole new world of exploration for them. So they turned inwards and looked for a way to find answers within themselves and outside of conventional places. You were actually encouraged to explore new Eastern religions, new spiritual practices, stuff like astrology, theosophy, and even UFOlogy. And I've mentioned UFOlogy like several times this whole series. I think you mean UFOlogy? UFO. That sounds very Norwegian. <laughs> It sounds like a weird... Ba it sounds like who's opening for Tame Impala right now. <laughs> Ufology? Yeah. Uh, I, I like their first album, but not... Like their first, <laughs> first album, not their first album. Uh, the la It sounds weird. Why Ufology? Well, aliens were becoming a huge part of the 1970s. The Roswell incident may have happened in 1947, but it wasn't until the 70s that authors and journalists started trying to break the story of how it was actually extraterrestrial contact with Earth. But even more recently than that, like what Paige was saying um, to us earlier, is that in 1961, Barney and Betty Hill were an American couple who claimed to be abducted by extraterrestrials. And again, story happens in 1961, but it gets picked up and like played major in the 70s. All of this is to say that alien culture was really starting to take off around this time. In fact, beyond that, Benjamin Zeller, the author of Heaven's Gate, America's UFO Religion, points out that in the early 70s, one of the best-selling books across the globe was Eric von Dynekin's Chariots of the Gods. Oh, yeah. That, and that's one of the first, like, 
widely released UFO books. Yeah. Why do I know so much about UFOs? <laughs> I am upset. They're Let's super <laughs> interesting. They are. It's fascinating. Also, Chariots of the Gods is going to sound familiar to anyone who's ever watched an episode of Ancient Aliens. Yeah, that's true. Um, I will say if you're super into UFOs, I find the Betty and Barney Hill incident to be one of the more believable oh, ones. for sure. It's terrifying. That and Rendlesham, I think, are the two that I'm like, oh, God, maybe there are UFOs. Maybe we'll cover in a Speculation Zone episode. Who knows? Yeah, if you, if you want a Speculation Zone on that, That'd I'm be great. to do it. But in Eric Von Dynekin's book, Chariots of the Gods, uh, the author poses a theory that all great accomplishments by old civilizations were done with the help of ancient aliens. Visitors came to Earth and presented new technology and ideas to our ancestors, and they o- the only way that they could process their otherworldly guests was to call them gods. So this is this is the idea of like all of our religions are just different aliens, which is why they say that a lot of religions have little things that sync up, little things that match almost always and it's like but they started at different times, different places, different people. How did they all have this like like-minded uh basis? And the theory is that they all come from aliens. For a lot of people in America, the statements that the two were putting forward weren't crazy or that outlandish. For many, it was vaguely familiar. It was equal parts classic Christianity, popular culture, and a call to be better, like just to better yourself spiritually. So starting in April 1975, the two traveled up the West Coast again with their polished new beliefs. And here is where Herf's childhood comes into play heavily he's like a bizarro world version of his own father while his dad was responding to the hopelessness of the great depression by going town to town offering salvation the two went town to town responding to america's call for answers by offering a new belief system that mixed all of the things that america was looking for together well and what's great about this belief system is if you were raised in Christianity and you gave your life to that and then you are a gay person this new system and if this new system is the truth then you weren't bad yeah you could also use it to defend like uh if you felt being gay was bad uh morally like kind of how Herf sort of saw it sometimes he flips back and forth a lot I'm not going to give us a solid like statement on how he felt about it because he does flip back and forth um but it will yeah i get it because he's bisexual that's very funny poor (laughs) choice of words on my end but he uh you can use that as saying like well the reason i was gay is because i'm not supposed to be sexually attracted to anyone so it was actually saving me from finding a wife because my true mission was to join heaven's gate and finally When they went out on the road in April of 1975, they were successful at getting people to believe in their mission. And in Los Angeles, they picked up they picked up about a dozen followers in in San Francisco. They picked up a handful of recruits. But when they reached Oregon, they struck gold and started making headlines for the first time. And it is important to note that Andrea and I were talking before and you were interested in how they were able to pick up so many followers so quickly, especially in Los Angeles. Very interested. So. What they did was they finally figured out that the people, like, because they got Sharon, and Sharon was a like-minded individual, they realized they had to pinpoint where these people would be. And because you're heading into the mid-70s, this the, the, the kind of seeker uh, lifestyle that I was talking about started in, like, the late 60s, early 70s. 
So these gurus who were doing stuff similar to them, their followers were finally starting to see that they were full of shit. So they would come across these groups who were ready to leave or try something else and their path sounded completely different and much more logical to them. So they would actually leave different groups and join this group. Well, yeah, and if you've been in a group for that long and you have already cut ties with like your family family, it's mm-hmm. so much easier to just pick up with another group. Mm-hmm. Of course. There's also a story of in Los Angeles, the members that they picked up belonged to this other group where they followed this guy who was a guru who taught basically the exact same thing. The path to heaven was uh, by transcending your human limitations and becoming an all-powerful being of light. It's a little different, same general focus, but the way that he taught that you got there was through control of the almighty orgasm. I mean, that guy sounds like a party. Yeah. But... The problem was... Why would you want to leave that one? Well, the problem was... Because when you don't get to choose who you have sex with yeah, or when... Yeah, okay, I get it. You I did. It. You did get to okay. choose who you had sex See, with yeah, exactly. in the main group. But... In he, the main but group. But then you also had to bone yeah. his old ass, probably. Yeah. Ooh. You had, like, a kind of Keith Rainier vibe going on where he would, like... He would pick hand select like people who he was like, you are going to be in my inner circle of students and you could only fuck him. Oh, so he would hand select them. He would handsy select them. Yeah, he would a little too handsy select. them. (laughs) I feel like it might not be so much hands as much as it's like tiny head. Oh, gross. So, yeah, so you have, like, this group where people are doubting this guy who, by the way, this motherfucker couldn't even self publish his own thoughts into a book every time he tried to get it self-published uh somebody told him no that's it the publishers were like no this is stupid i'm not gonna print it self-publish was that person who told him no himself (laughs) but yeah so a lot of members of his uh like group or 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 following they were basically like i'm tired of this bullshit sex stuff and these people are telling me that i don't even have to have sex or that i shouldn't have sex to kind of transcend into a very similar thought process i'm ditching this guy and i'm going with them so that's kind of how they were able to get it america was primed and ready and they were already focusing on people who had the ideas in their head and were ready to go with something else kind of like you were saying they had the will they just needed the reason to fucking go right fuck and go <laughs> come and go oh yeah like i think we, we d- <laughs> all gas stations are coming oh god don't never use a gas station bathroom uh most of america's introduction to heaven's gate was actually an article written in the new york times on october 7th 1975 in big bold letters the headline read 20 missing an organ after talking of a higher life Almost overnight, 20 people from Waldport, Oregon vanished and authorities had no idea where they went or why they chose to go. But here's what they were able to piece together. In late September, a mysterious group called Human Individual Metamorphosis, which this is pre-Heaven's Gate and as we've all seen, they always fuck up the first business name. Yeah, they're not good with names. That one's just the throwaway. Him. (laughs) yeah that's what it spells out human uh individual metamorphosis just spells out him they showed up in the small town of waldport oregon and then came the flyers were you interested in going to heaven right now 
Did you did you know that there had to be more to life? Did you see Jesus as more of like a an Alf type figure? <laughs> <laughs> then come to Waldport Inn to hear Bo and Peep talk about their mission. Again, Bo and Peep are not great leader names, but it was an improve it was an improvement on their initial names, which were Guinea and Pig. I mean they're all bad. These people all are the are worst bad. at naming things. They're sli- it's slightly better than Guinea and Pig because that just sounds like the name of a racially insensitive sitcom about Italian cops. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> also, which one of them had to be named Pig? That's the worst right. one to I'm me. arresting right. guys over here. <laughs> they are the hardworking police force of Tony, Kansas. Ma, These are give their me a stories. nice pursuit. <laughs> That's your brother. You can't eat him. Oh, man. I'm just imagining a pig cop. (laughs) Yes. And after a few days of hype, the two arrived in town. They went to the Waldport Inn and rented a conference hall under the name UFO and the Kingdom, which can you fucking imagine being the desk clerk working at that day? And just having to be like, okay, first of all, that's not a name. Second of all, you're definitely going to need to put down a credit card. Yeah. Thirdly, like, I imagine that person sitting and letting people in and just being like, oh, yeah, you're definitely here for the aliens. Like, (laughs) you just spot it from a mile away. What was that? You need a credit card? Here, put it under Sharon. (laughs) Charge it to God. (laughs) Charge it to the game. On the day of the meeting, over a hundred people packed into the small building to hear the two speak. I actually, there's like various different um, reports of how many people were there. Some say it was a hundred. Some say it was 250. Wow. Uh, And it just depends person to person. But you're also going off of people's like memories. Right. So they all packed into the small conference room at the hotel. Bo and Peep stood in front of the crowd, calm and confident, and told them about their mission. They could help you travel to the next level via spaceship, and all you had to do was completely devote yourself to evolving spiritually. You had to give up your family, possessions, and all other aspects of your life. You also had to fight off all human wants and needs, like having sex, drinking booze, smoking, and doing drugs. And this would allow you to sever your ties to Earth and become free to leave and become an evolved extraterrestrial creature. Or a huge bummer at parties. (laughs) Well, I think it's really interesting that so they're advertising it as UFO in the kingdom, which means that whoever is going to this wants to hear about UFOs. Oh, yeah. So you're pulling from a a set audience. Or Christianity. Right. Because they are based. They are like mixing the two. Are aliens running Alcoholics Anonymous? um oh my god ancient aliens also stands for aa (laughs) oh shit (laughs) what i think you're on to something follow the money wait there is no money (laughs) follow the lack of fun follow the lack of fun (laughs) jesus is an alien if you stop doing drugs you can be closer to jesus and you have to acknowledge a higher power oh Oh my god Yeah, it is interesting that they're saying like because there's a physical connection. They're saying like if you stop doing these things, you will sever a tie and that will allow you to leave. Because if you don't do it, you'll be tied to Earth and the UFO won't be able to pick you up. So it's like a mix between like a spiritual concept and a physical idea. Yeah, because cirrhosis of the liver makes you too heavy. (laughs) Just kidding. You know, we support anyone who chooses not to drink. 
for sure, for sure. Sober as you want. Do do you. But the biggest selling point was that leaving this world and transcending into the next didn't require dying. Because, at least at first, suicide was never part of the deal. In fact, when they were asked if death was necessary to leave Earth, the two responded, absolutely not. Just like that, a little over 20 citizens of the small town of Waldport gave away everything that they owned, said goodbye to their families, and joined the strange group of seekers to find their way to the new heaven among the stars. And the new converts from Waldport and existing members from California traveled to the town of Fruta, Colorado, near the western slopes of the Colorado Rockies. Members were excited to start the next and final chapter of their earthly lives, and one new follower even wrote home with the message, It's real. It's the second coming. We don't know yet what's next, but we're all going home. And that's where we'll pick up next week on part three of Heaven's Gate. Yes. Oh, man. This is, uh, so this is where we'll pick up next week is where a lot of people like start the story so the whole point of these last two episodes is i want to give you as much backstory onto like who they are why their backstory is important uh also like how they got their initial followers and why america was just like so revving to go to fucking believe in this shit um but also just real quick i got a little bonus story for you guys something i found out about last week we covered the entirety of herf's life leading up to him meeting bonnie and part of this was a small side note about how he worked at a deli in new mexico yes is it still there can we eat their sandwiches do they taste like tears it is not no but i was able to find out the full story of what happened during those months okay so after his father passed away in 1971, Herf decided to move away from Texas in order to start a new life. So he moved to the small town of Taos, New Mexico, where he used what little money he had to buy a deli called the Sunshine Company. Uh, I mean, that's a great deli name. So clearly Bonnie was naming everything from that point. Oh, on. Yeah. for sure. <laughs> They sold mostly salads and sandwiches, but the main attraction was that it was a cool hangout for young hippies. They loved chilling on the restaurant's patio and talking with the owner, who was an openly gay former opera singer who was as friendly as he was smooth. And let me tell you, dude was smooth as hell. (laughs) According to a former employee, Dennis Robbins, Herf was pulling dudes left and right in New Mexico. And sometimes Herf was going steady with multiple dudes at the same time. But here's a twist. They didn't know about each other. What? Herf was a player. What? Dennis recalled a story about a party he went to with Herf where at some point in the night, the party came to a screeching halt when two of Herf's lovers showed up and Herf was forced to tell them that he had been doing the elephant walk all over town. Oh, damn. And once word got around that Herf was sleeping around, a few other lovers came out of the woodwork and, like the ending of a fucking sitcom episode 
Herf was left with nobody who wanted to be with him. So the real reason he left New Mexico in such a short period of time was because he was so good at slanging dick that he got caught slanging that dick. Damn, were most of those sausages like sandwich? Damn. I'm just imagining the helicopter dick and like he just swung a dick and just like hit five guys in a row. <laughs> well, five guys was his competition. They oh! Mostly burgers. He's like you so say good. five, I say six. What play? <laughs> Also, you can kind of take this last part with a grain of salt, but apparently as he was leaving town, he was quoted as saying that he was going back to Texas to start a new religion. I don't believe that part. I don't believe he was like, fuck y'all. I'm starting a new one. Fuck you guys. It's based around this just like long shaft that we all (laughs) worship. That we all ride to utopia. Yeah. So according to the city of Taos, New Mexico, the real reason Heaven's Gate happened was because Homeboy was having too much good sex. Damn. Wow. Not not the first time sex has started a cult. I'll say that much. (laughs) So, yeah, that that will bring us to the end of Heaven's Gate Part 2. That's amazing. That's fantastic. I'm really Thank glad so we much. were able to piece together. Because, like, you kind of gloss over, like, he had tried to have relationships with other men. Yeah. And I assume that was in his, like, cheating while still married to a lady days. But, like, if you're dating six dudes, that is a thing, too, that'll happen, though, is, like, if uh, if someone comes out after leaving. They're making up for lost time. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of, like, a part of that. I get it. Growth period, but... I understand it. I just think that if you're going to be in, like, a poly relationship... You have to tell people. Yeah, I mean, for for so many reasons. For cheeses, not ruining parties. Yeah, dude, that party... Like, you can't keep having a party after that. Quit yelling about fellatio in front of the dips. Um, at least he catered the party though. Sunshine, <laughs> Sunshine Got company. an eight foot party sub and an eight inch party sausage. If anybody. Hey, oh. oh, wow. So yeah, uh, that brings us to the end. We'll come back next week with part three. Uh, I'm really excited. Um, yeah, guys, we were able to do an episode and a series like this, uh, because of your help. Thank you did you. it Thank so, you much. so much. We started it. We did our Patreon. We're doing it. And uh, so many of you. It's like I was very humbled and very happy. Thank you so much. Oh, my God. It's so great. Uh, our Patreon is off to a great launch. We're getting all of our rewards ready. We have a lot of them now, but we're trying to make sure that we get everything uh, ready and set to go by early August. Uh, something to point out is one of the reasons that it's taking a little bit like, or that it's taking a little bit of time to get that stuff out is that, uh, Andrea, myself and Paige are making all of the merchandise ourselves. Yes. It's going to be so cool though. It's all great. I cannot wait to show you guys. We have a bunch of really cool shit coming out. Uh, and hopefully this will allow us to make more shit in the future. I'm super excited. Um, we also will start doing our speculation zone bonus episodes and we're going to have uh, a couple great guests. I think on the books, we definitely are going to have Keith Carey back. Um, we're going to have a couple of our other comedian friends and I just got this one in the books. We're bringing back Marie. Yay! Marie's gonna come join us for a full episode. It's gonna be great. It's uh, you'll get to hear a little bit about her, and uh, yeah, that'll be awesome. Um, so the speculation zone episodes will start in August, and that is on our lowest tier, our five dollar tier. Uh, it would be great if you guys can help out. If you can't, 
totally fine. We totally understand. And we still love you all the same. Thank you so much. Truth. Yes. Yeah. If you're interested in our Patreon, just visit uh, www.patreon.com slash cult podcast. You can also go to cultpodcastshow.com and head over to the Patreon tab at the top or bottom of the page. Um, secondly, we're also doing another live show. Live show! Yeah, we're doing a live show in Burbank, California on Tuesday, August 27th at 7.30 p.m. There will be cake. There will be cake. There will be. And please tell us what to write on the cake. You can vote on Instagram, Facebook, just, you know. Yeah, hit us us up anywhere. Tell us what we should put on that cake. Uh, I think we should do an eight-inch party sub now. (laughs) (laughs) I said inch. I definitely meant foot because I will eat a whole foot. (laughs) That was like eight-inch party sub. That's like a snack. (laughs) So was Herf, apparently. Boom. Snack, boy. Meow. Um, Yeah, so that's going to be at Geeky Tees and Games. It's going to be great. Uh, It's the same live show that we've been doing all over the country, uh, which is a fucking cool sentence to be able to say, right? Yep. Um, It's super nice. It's super great. Uh, I'm starting to revert back into being sick. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, tickets are going to be $10 uh, in advance. You can find tickets at coltpodcastshow.com slash Burbank, or you can go to coltpodcastshow.com and head over to the show's page. Um, Yeah, or you can buy them for $15 at the door, but we highly recommend getting them in advance. Yeah, other than that, guys, if you you like me and you want to... uh, if you want to send me your funniest uh, cold medicine story, <laughs> the wildest shit that you've done on cold medicine, then you can do so. You can send it to Twitter and Instagram at Mondo Does Stuff. That's M-A-N-D-O Does Stuff. You can also find my show dates online at MondoDoesStuff.com. Oh, hey, guys. It's me, Andrea. Uh, if you want to send me uh, anything to do with Pokemon, your sweet crystals, or your eight inch party sub uh (laughs) go ahead and send it to me on all the things at sundress comic or check out my art at andre gazetta please do not send me pictures of your dick i do not want to thank you so much please send sandwich pics (laughs) oh my god oh my god which sandwich which pics hashtag which pics i love it um please send me pictures of all your sandwiches uh I have a lot of shows coming up in August, so I'll be posting those on Instagram um, at Rampage Wesley or on Twitter at Page Wesley. Um, please send me pictures of your favorite sandwiches. Hell yeah, dude. Best uh, sandwich wins. I don't know what you win, but. Is Witch Picks? Is it too weird to put that picks. at the title? Hashtag Witch Picks. Sometimes I come home and I catch Armando watching cooking videos like it's porn, so. <laughs> I mean, extra points if you put your Witch Pick next to a coke bottle for comparison (laughs) (laughs) then you're winning at witch picks uh and if you like our show and you want to send us your favorite sandwich recipes uh you can do so on instagram at cult podcast or on twitter at cult podcast show you can also send us an email to cult podcast show at gmail.com that's for those exercise sandwiches or if you have sandwich accoutrement that are shelf stable that you want to send us through the mail you can do so at 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237, Like Like the the Shining, Los Angeles, California, 90065. And I think for this one, I'm going to say, don't drink mayonnaise. It's on sandwiches. Gross. (laughs) Um, Name your shit better and don't drink the (laughs) Kool-Aid. Bye. 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 (laughs) Oh, no.
Oh, God, that's the only time it came through. <laughs> Don't die. Hashtag witch pics. <laughs>